Yeah, what can you say? We took the holiday this week. But we're here, better late than never, and we've got coaches and so much more. Adam, Chris, and all of us are going right now. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports, this is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Best in sports. We start Mark yeah. Blair Angulo. What's his name? Blair Angulo with the recruiting information you crave. The J is for what, Adam? I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and yes, and yes, your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. <laughs> I know. Ron. Chris Morales. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? That's really a good one. Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. The kids are back. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista. Chris Morales. Welcome into the Trojansports.com podcast for your January 20th, Wednesday, as we record this about 12 o'clock in Los Angeles. I am Chris Morales. Adam J. Maya, beat reporter for Trojansports.com, is here. Also publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Fellas, we used the MLK holiday, and we took a few days from the usual Monday delivery, but that's okay, because a lot of news has happened the last few days, so why not do a podcast now? This way, it's all contained in one episode. You know, we're not going to give you 20 podcasts a week. We're going to make it just one really good one. Right, kids? Or, or a one. Yeah, well, look, I think we... I think <laughs> we, we, just gave you a, we bring you quality. We bring quality and quantity. There you go. All right, welcome in, everyone. We have got coaching stuff to get into. We've got recruiting. We've got Adam J. Maya's bumper sticker award. Rumors are we're going to talk USC basketball today. National Signing Day is only a few weeks away, and we have your questions direct from the message boards at trojansports.com. We've got coaches being made official, and that's the big headline today. Adam J. Maya, why don't you take it from there? All right. Well, we have some clarity on his staff, finally. Johnny Naxon will officially coach the linebackers. He was a former running backs coach, of course, and he'll remain as assistant head coach, he had that role under Sarkeesian. Now he also takes on recruiting coordinator, which is something that he's done before. He's done all these things before. Uh, he's really kind of done it all in terms of uh, the assistant coaching realm. And then uh, Tommy Robinson's back, and he's coaching the running backs. He's uh, another favorite from 2013. And then John Baxter, who they hired the week before as a special teams coordinator, will also coach the tight ends. Chris Swanson, I know that you dealt with a couple of, the, couple of these guys more than I have, Robinson and Baxter. What do you think about all this? I love both those hires, honestly, and I think that both their roles make sense. Tommy Robinson, you know, he, he coached at the NFL. He's a running backs coach at the NFL. I think he's, you know, a 
top quality uh, running back coach. I think that's a great hire for USC. And John Baxter, I feel the same way about his ability to coach special teams. Coaching tight ends kind of seems like a kind of a side role in a way too. So, you know, I think he'll be able to take care of that no problem and, you know, have some high quality tight end play. So I love I love all these hires. Really, Johnny Nansen, I think, you know, that role Recruiting coordinator definitely makes sense. He's the guy behind the scenes, and you know, he's keeping the assistant head coach title, which I guess uh, is just kind of a title anyway. I don't really know what that means. So uh, we'll see how he does coaching linebackers, but I like him as a recruiting coordinator. I definitely like Tommy Robinson as a running backs coach. I like John Baxter too. I know people are getting on uh, this you know, staff because it's a, kind of recycling that 2013 staff, but the coaches they're hiring back are really high quality. I think it could work out. Yeah, I think that is probably the point of contention here. They have five assistants now that coached under Kiffin and Orgeron from 2013. That team, of course, went 10-4, and four, although it did lose a coach in the middle of the season and ended up with Helkin as an interim coach for the bowl game. But I have a feeling you feel differently because I know that you like that staff at the beginning. You thought that they should have kept it to begin with, right? Yeah, I do. Um, I actually, I understood why Lane Kiffin was fired at the time, but looking back on it, I think it was a mistake because I think that staff was really good. And, you know, looking at what they're doing, you have to think, hey, they are getting the staff back. They agree. Like, they thought this staff was really good as well. So I think it could work out. I mean, it's, it seems like a smart thing to do, even though it's it kind of allows, you know, people to, to throw some darts at USC's reputation because it is strange that you see a staff get fired just a couple of years before and then get hired back uh, to do the same thing. So it's it's an interesting move, but I think it, it might be their smartest move right now with Helton as head coach, and I think it could work. Well, the fundamental difference between 2013 and 2016 is the head coach. That means more than any of this stuff. And I think that we have to wait and see with Helton. I think people are jumping in too many conclusions about him from his time as an interim coach, from his time as the offensive coordinator, which I really didn't feel like he was in that role, uh, you know, the way it should be done. So I don't know. I I don't have a strong opinion about what's next. You know, I, I, I can't just write this off just because – they didn't win a championship with the staff three years ago. Are, are you feeling the same way? Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Uh, it's you. I, I think it's a quality staff. I do. I think it could. I just think it could work out. We do have to wait and see with Clay Helton, but I think that they have some coaches on there that you definitely have to say, okay, they've done some things that you know you you would say hey maybe you know T Helton would be a good offensive coordinator and get that job somewhere you know maybe some of these guys that they promoted from within and kept around you know are really good at what they do Johnny Nansen's a good recruiter and all all the individual hires make sense it's just the whole picture based on just everything that's happened around the program it opens it up to criticism but i don't think it's fair i think it's a i think it's going to be a good staff i think they could win with this staff did you say T Helton I think I said T. Martin. You said T. Helton. I did. Yeah. I like it. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's really funny. Well, I was talking about T. Martin, so yeah, him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I I just think that Clay Helton, twenty sixteen, clean slate. I, I think that's the best way to look at this. If you want to look at the staff outside of him, there's a lot of experience there, more than the previous staff. I think that you have uh, a higher caliber coaching staff right now than you did before. Uh, that's not a question. Yeah. I don't think that you can even – I mean, Clancy Pendergast, in my opinion, is is one of the better defensive coordinators in college football. Uh, you can say that I actually thought Justin Wilcox – was a little bit, uh, you know, underrated, but you can say that about him. Uh, you know, the the running backs coach. I think Tommy Robinson's probably among the best. You know, or you know, running backs coaches there are, and you can say that before. I think there there's a lot of upgrades uh, on this staff. So I, I like the staff. I like it a lot, actually. I think it's a good coaching staff, and I, I think it's it's a clear upgrade over what they have before even though i think that maybe you would want to keep a peter sermon or somebody like that well the thing was they were going to keep manson in some capacity that was inevitable and so it was a matter of whether he would coach the running backs or the linebackers or possibly the defensive line sometimes i feel like the position coaches aren't nearly as important as the coordinator and so I think with Clancy Pendergast being a defensive coordinator, you can plug and play a little bit to some extent with the position coaches. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. I think that you saw some pretty good play out of these guys the last couple of years when they had to, you know, have some GAs coach guys up or plug and play some different coaches just because of, you know, some firing. So I, I think you're right on with that. I think that sometimes people do look at, you know, certain position coaches and maybe give them a little bit too much credit for what's happening or put too much importance on, you know, the quality of the coach there. So there you go. Some coaches made official. Finally, stuff is coming to fruition that we've talked about and also just getting some clarity, right? And, and what is the, from the, the guy who's on the outside looking in often with you guys and the dumb one of the group, but a USC fan nonetheless, uh, the feeling that maybe not major names coming in. How does that, how does that sit with everybody? Well, well you know, there's not that splash name. And yeah, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't get it at the top with – not a Chip Kelly, but a Clay Heldon. And now from the, the coordinator and the assistant range, you're not getting that, that, that splash, if you will. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think they got it with Clancy Pendergast. You do? Okay. I, there just have been so many rumors. I feel like you've had different people putting names out there that were wholly unrealistic and, and not coming to USC. Right. And, and so it got people excited, and the expectations were high. And we're seeing that with the defensive line coach, which we should talk about that a little bit. I found out today that Kenichi Ugezi, former Trojan of the great Wild Bunch 2 teams, has interviewed for the defensive line job, and he feels like it went well, but he hasn't heard anything official yet. Wait, but is this uh, Adam Maya breaking news? We should yeah, play the, let's I mean, play the sounder. <laughs> We've got Maya breaking news. I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't call it that. I'm not reporting that he's getting a job. 
I just know that he interviewed for it. And uh, as I re- we record this on Wednesday afternoon, um, he, on his Twitter account, I, I think he just started it because there's only one tweet. And he says that he's going to go visit Rashawn Gary, the, you know, the top prospect in the country. He's going to visit him tonight in New Jersey. And so that has a lot of people thinking that he will be the defensive line coach because it's been reported that the new defensive line coach would be visiting Gary in his visit on Wednesday night. There we go. The Adamaya breaking news story as we get closer to a defensive line coach. Yeah, How about that? Really. I know, but I, you know, this is all about uh, theater of the mind. And anytime <laughs> I, can, I can go into my music collection or play wacky sound effects, I'm going to do it, homeboy. Speaking Chris, of, well, no, I mean... I, I was going to bounce it to Chris right now. I wanted to hear yeah. what he had to say. Yeah, you're awfully quiet over there. He is. Okay, what do you want me to he say? He might have some curly fries over there and a few Jack Yo, and Black I socos. Do. Oh. I always... I, yeah. always, I don't know I'm if you noticed... Sit, um, so, we, you yes. and I have a website where we report on USC football, and about half an hour ago, I reported that Kenichi Ugezi interviewed for the job. Want to know what your take was on on him? Well, if they hire him, I mean, it could work. I, I mean, he was really good defensive lineman at USC, played in the pros, and I, it could work. But it's another hire where you're thinking, like, you know, why aren't they looking at anybody outside of campus? Like, what you know what I mean? It's, it's just interesting. You think defensive line coach at USC is a big time position? Why are they going to the guy that was the GA? I mean. Why would they fire Chris Wilson, who had all these relationships at Sarah and had all these relationships in the South, you know, to to hire a guy that was a GA? It's it's a curious move. I mean, right? It's worth questioning. Not I'm not saying it won't work or it couldn't work because it could. Why not? He has all the playing experience that tells me this guy could end up being a great coach. But I'm just not sure about it. I was really impressed with him when I spoke with him during the bowl practices. You have to remember, he spent the year as the assistant strength coach, and he made it clear that that is not why he came back to USC. He wants to be a position coach, and probably beyond that. You know, he, he really had, uh, I think, uh, the, the chops to, to do more. And so, you know, his playing career was cut short, um, it's a it's a very interesting story. He's highly motivated, very ambitious. He actually went back and got his degree from USC back when he first fell ill, and so um, he's going places one way or the other. And I believe that he can end up being a good coach. Which I, I've thought of a couple of the people that they brought in: a Key Martin, a Clay Helkin. But it's another incestual hire if they make it. So I understand some of the, the cynicism. But I don't know. I, I might be naive here. I, I don't know that it's as impactful as some people want to make it. I think if you have Clancy Pendergast, then those other dominoes will just kind of fall in line for you. I really think it's about him. I think it's about what what he implements, um, what what position he puts people in, you know, who he plays, 
those ki- those kind of things I think will will matter more than anything. I mean, that's kind of the conclusion that a lot of us came away with with Wilcox, where it just seemed like a bad fit, and it seemed like what he was doing just wasn't working. I don't know how much of it really had to do with Keith Hayward or Chris Wilson or Peter Sermon. Not that all the blame was on Wilcox, but ultimately it came down to the decisions that he was making. And then from what we were told, Clay Helton overrode him a lot of the time in the second half of the year. And you saw the defense play a lot better during that time. Yeah, I think it's a defensive coordinator thing. I agree with you because, you know, Clancy Pendergast turned around USC's defense in one year. He's turned around Cal's defense. And, you know, so it's, to me, it is about who the defensive coordinator is more than anything. My point with the hire is, is that if you're making this decision on who your defensive line coach is, and Adam, I told you, hey, who would you hire? Kenenshi Udezi or Chris Wilson? Wouldn't you pick Chris Wilson? Like, wouldn't everybody pick Chris Wilson? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, maybe it wasn't working out. Maybe there's something I don't know going on behind the scenes, but I'm just saying, like, that's just my point. He has the resume. He has the relationships in the South, and it's Sarah already. He's a proven, accomplished defensive line coach. I believe he's at Georgia before this. He's at Missouri now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the resume, you're right. They, They don't compare on paper. Clearly, there was a a movement to rid themselves of Sarkeesian staff. And all but Johnny Nassim is still there, which we wouldn't have thought. But that's the way it turned out. So, it's a new day. They want something different. I, And this isn't a reflection on Chris Wilson at all, what I'm about to say. But there was a lack of leadership, I think, among the staff, the last staff. And they needed a lot of new blood. And I think that I would expect there to be a lot more accountability. You have a lot of NFL guys on the staff. I know that you have some guys doing things for the first time as well, but you also have some guys that are a bit older. You know, that last staff was all between about, what, 40 and 45 years old. And it, it, it seemed a bit too uh, fraternal, in my opinion. I don't know. They're going to be young and fraternal again, I feel like, but that's just... I no. Know, whatever. No, you have some okay. All right, all right. We'll no, I mean, see. Callaway, Pendergast, Bradford. There you go. Okay. Well, Beautiful. We should also... We should also point out that, you know, as we record this, you know, or when you, by the time you hear it, it could be official, the defensive line coach. And uh, we'll see, right? And if it's someone else, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's supposed to come down this week. So sometimes the contracts take a little longer. Um, Robinson seemed to, to happen quickly, but I'm sure that that was. Uh, in the works for a while, uh, they might have struck out on, you know, their their targets at defensive line. It's unclear because there's been a lot of movement. So yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't known for certain where Johnny Nansen would coach uh, until this week. All right, there you go. Well, there we go. We got our defensive line coach information. We got all kinds of good stuff for you, and of course, all of it available at TrojanSports.com.
You want to be sure to become a subscriber for 2016 if you're not, especially as we get closer to National Signing Day. Also, who would have thought? And Chris Watson, yesterday here at the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista on, on campus, we had the Yahoo Sports Radio afternoon show, Steve Bune and Sean Salisbury here. And they were talking a lot. Salisbury was giving a lot of crap to the UCLA folks in the room, like Boyer and Gulo and a few other of our staff members, about who's got the better record, USC basketball or UCLA basketball. And who would have thought? Yeah. Chris Swanson would have thought, right? Exactly. Chris not on the gun on well, this one, I, obviously, okay. but that's okay. No, I, I would not have thought that. I that's not. I mean, I thought that they had the right coaching staff. I thought that it would eventually be okay, but nobody thought they were going to have a better record than UCLA this year. No one. I mean, they were picked to finish like 10th in the Pac-12. Like, that was fair. They finished with 14 wins last year. It's a great turnaround. It's amazing. I give you credit. I actually, I wasn't being sarcastic. I felt like You've been on the bandwagon early and a believer where I was very skeptical. I didn't even want to talk about basketball on the podcast, but I was able to attend the game at Poly last Wednesday, and I came away so impressed. I guess my expectations going in were that if USC got blown out, they are who I thought they were. If they played UCLA close and lost, then... I was wrong. They they had improved from the year before. And if they won, then I guess they are a good team. Well, they dominated. I mean, they, they didn't just win that game. They were up by 18 at the half. They won by 14. They pretty much were in control the entire game. It, I, don't even think, I don't even feel like it was as close as the final score. No, it wasn't. They, they thumped UCLA, and, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I expected them, yeah, I expected them to lose to UCLA, and I probably thought higher of what they had done this season and their record than you did so so far. Um, I thought that, you know, that that would be a kind of a, a, a statement win, and I didn't expect it to happen. And now I, I look at their record, and, you know, in the Pac 12, they've been Arizona and UCLA, probably the two teams that you'd expect to be, you know, contending for the conference title at the end of the year every year. And USC might be that team this year that actually wins a conference championship or maybe, you know, wins one in the conference uh, tournament. I know they haven't done both those things in a while, quite some time. It, it seems crazy, right? They've, okay, they've only won the conference while they've been in what is known as the, you know, the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12. They've only won that two times during the regular season. And then they, in 2008, 2009, they won the, the conference tournament. They, you know, they, they didn't win the regular season. I think they finished 500 that year, but then they won the tournament. This is not the norm, you know, even through five games, I know it's still early, but this is not something that I think anyone saw coming. No, Adam. Before the season, I mean, I our argument privately maybe five hundred. Well, that, right? but I and I was arguing that hey, probably not, but they should keep this staff anyway, and I felt like right. the discussion really amongst people. You know, USC basketball fans or people that we're discussing in the media wasn't, are they going to be any good? 
everybody thought they were going to be terrible. It was, is it the staff's fault? Are they bad and should they go? Or, you know, should, should everybody stay patient? And there was kind of a debate about that. Nobody thought they were going to go, what, 15-2 and two and, you know, beat Arizona, beat UCLA. It's, it's crazy. Uh, this, it's, it's a huge resume builder for everyone on this staff. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the coaches now, and especially since you look at this, this roster and they're young. They're so young that they're going to return everybody next year, you know, hold a transfer or some crazy thing or a draft declaration or something like that. They could compete for the conference title again next year, even. Um, and, and then you got to wonder, you know, is Enfield going to be around? Is Tony Bland going to be around? Is Jason Hart going to be around? Because, I mean, what what a crazy turnaround for USC. Uh, but I think a turnaround that it should happen. I mean, USC basketball shouldn't be as bad as you know they are, and the you know how we talk about them. We shouldn't be talking about them not being conference championship contenders when they're in LA and they have a beautiful new stadium. So it's something that I think was expected, of, but in the far off future. Well, they have a really cool egalitarian thing going on. I'm looking at the stats and. There are six players that average between 10 and 13 points. So Jordan McLaughlin is leading the team with 13 and a half points. And you would think, well, do they have a go-to guy? They, they kind of do. They have a couple of them because you have McLaughlin and Jacobs running like a co-point guard committee thing. And so you got everyone involved that way. And yet you're not totally reliant on on one of them. And so they're a great shooting team as well. They're shooting 41% from behind the arc, which is a bit absurd. Um, and then you got Chemezi Meku, who's coming off the bench, and he had a breakout game versus UCLA. He looked like a star there. And I just think that they're deep, and they just have this really nice mixture of youth and veterans. You look around the conference, and I think you you don't have the typical one-and-dones that, that we're used to seeing from Arizona and UCLA. So I think they're both vulnerable. I think that they, there's a lane open for another team to take over the conference, and we're seeing that from USC. Yeah, definitely. I like how they're built, too, because I feel like they're two guards, Jordan McLaughlin and Julian Jacobs, even though, you know, we talked about them being spreading out those stats and being able to rely on a couple guys. Those guys can both be the best player on the court at any given moment. I feel like that it's been a while since I've seen USC have a guy like that. I feel like they have two. And then with Chemezi Metu and that shot blocking ability, I feel like, you know, that's a rare asset as well. I don't think everybody has a guy like him, even though he's a freshman and everybody else, you just have depth and shooters. And, you know, this team probably wasn't good last year because, you know, guys were younger and because they relied on some of these guys that should have been role players and starting roles. You're looking at guys like Kane Reinhardt and some of these other you know guys can shoot the ball and you know when they get minutes and spots they can really light it up but you know they probably weren't supposed to be that starter that they were or so heavily relied on as they were last year yeah yeah they have a they have a good eight-man rotation uh not if you count malik marchetti who's playing about nine minutes a game a lot of teams are only using six guys maybe seven and so 
to me, they're, they're kind of like a, a Michigan State of the Pac-12. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> but, you know, where where they have veterans that that aren't, again, looking to, to kind of blow up and and getting the NBA, but they're, they're buying into a team concept. And so I like it. I, I really like the way the team is constructed. I think this week will be telling. They're playing at Oregon and Oregon State. They've had a week to think about their big win over UCLA and before that over Arizona. And they know that people believe in them now. They're, they're, they're not the underdogs. You know, sometimes you need that. And, and now can they be mature and can they handle expectations? And, you know, can they handle being in first place? Can they handle being ranked? They haven't been ranked since, I believe, 2008. So it, it just, there's a different shine on the program right now, different spotlight. And so it's still very early. As much as I feel like they've proven they're 15 and 3, they've only played five games in the Pac 12. There you go. We'll now, see. Well, remember my bit during baseball season that I was going to be efforting a USC baseball jersey. Now I feel like I maybe need to effort a USC basketball jersey. Do it. I got one. You do? You really do? <laughs> yeah, well, when I went there, uh, I when I got there, my favorite player was Eric Craven. And so I, I picked up that jersey. Um, and then it got weird because I started covering that game. And <laughs> right. Craven didn't quite have the career that it looked like he was on track for. Um, and, I mean, he, he, was, he was someone I knew. I... I, you know, played with him a little bit at the on the on-campus gym, and so, you know, then you start covering these guys, and then you have to you have to ask them questions that that they don't want to hear, and you and got you their can't, jersey. You can't ask those questions while you're wearing their jersey either. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, a little well, that's a little but, uncomfortable. But I did. But did I you did. really? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but uh, I think that I should be our reporting approach for the fall: <laughs> is we just wear USC Trojan football jerseys while we're reporting. <laughs> Just like, hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> what's hey, been up? In other parts of the country, that's not so uncommon. Uh, you know, going to these All Star games, I saw plenty of reporters wearing like, you know, decked out in Texas A and M gear, and no, their reporter, kidding. yeah, like really? their reporter, re- like asking a kid about Texas A and M. Yeah, but Courtney I'm can wear joking. whatever she wants while she's reporting, so that's okay. <sighs> Uh, no, it's not from. It wasn't. Oh, it yet. wasn't from rivals. Okay, it wasn't from rivals. So I would never say anything if it was rivals. Right. No. Oh my gosh. No, I would hide that. All right. So <laughs> USC basketball, could it be? Could it be a one shining moment kind of year? We still hold on, but it's uh, pretty good thus far. You know what also is pretty good thus far? What? Adam J. How? Myers bumper sticker award. Oh my god. And we cue the horn and the music in time for this week's edition of the Adam J. Maya bumper sticker award. Yeah, I'm going to bring it back to basketball. I'm giving my Trojan of the Week award to Julian Jacobs. Uh, it really could have been a handful of people on this team. I feel like Jacobs has been the MVP thus far. And so I'm giving him this award. And I have a deep appreciation for what him and Jordan McLaughlin are doing. I played point guard growing up. Uh, not at a high level, but I did play it. And Oh, boy. It, it, it's not something that 
you want to share. It's very unnatural. And I talked to Jacob at length about this. And he said that. He said that it was kind of weird and that some of the problems that the team had last year probably stemmed from him and Jordan uh, unable to, to coexist and, and figure out how to how to both be point guards at the same time. And I feel like now it's such a weapon. I mean, you got two guys running the outlet on either side and it the defense doesn't know where the offense is coming from and they can kind of share the load. You know, you see a, a marked difference when both of them are off the court, which isn't common. But really, you got one of them on the court at all times. And then a lot of the time, you have both of them on the court. And I feel like they've done a beautiful job doing that because it's just weird. I mean, it's just it's awkward when you're expecting to, you know, to take that first pass and, and start the offense and, and, just, and kind of set everybody else up. And you're not used to being set up. But they're both scorers as well. And so um, they're figuring it out, I feel like, rapidly. I mean, the learning curve, maybe last year, you know, that, that was the learning curve. But this year, it looks like night and day with what they're able to do. And I think that they are the key to this offense and to the success of the basketball team. The most obvious statement Adam has ever made on this podcast was, I didn't play point guard at a high level. No, hey, it was pretty good. You know? That one, we might have to redo the open and include that in there because that one was pretty good. It was pretty good. What? <laughs> How would you know I couldn't play? I could play. No, I don't doubt you could play. I mean, I played uh, high school ball. Here's my point. What's we, a high level? Well, yeah. Here's the, we used to <laughs> okay uh, on, right. a, on a sports wait, wait. radio show I used to work with. We used to dump people and play a sound effect because a lot of times sports radio listeners love to go, "Hey, man, you know." I mean, I played uh, J. You know, I played junior college ball, or uh, hey, man, I played football in college or in high school, and then we—it's it, just a—it's a little silly. That's that's the point. But go ahead. I think that's what Chris is going at. All right. Well, in my defense, I didn't grow. I uh, entering high school, I was five feet tall, eighty pounds. Right. I mean. Can you? I was 80 pounds out of the womb, but that's a whole other thing. Right. Uh, I was five feet and 80 pounds in like fourth grade. <laughs> right. Right. And so I and I almost was well. In fact, I went to a camp in fourth grade, and I guess at that age, most of kids just hadn't built coordination and you know had really played much. And I, I'd been playing since I was like four or five. So I remember being in this camp, and I averaged. 20 something points per game and so I was really good <laughs> at nine so if but you then, were six two yeah. okay 100 yeah. and let's say probably in high school maybe 170 160 are yeah. you saying you could have played pac-12 d1 college hoops is that what you're saying I don't know oh I, come on I, I, no, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, you, I mean I'm giving you an honest answer okay so the best player in my hometown, went to a Division One school. It was Utah Valley State. Okay, so it wasn't Cal or ASU, but he went to a Division One school. And when I was 19, and I had, you know, I was fully grown at that time. Yes. And I was working out. Mm-hmm. I regularly played against him. And while 
he was markedly better than me, I could play with him. I could be on the same court with him. I guarded him all the time when we played. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious as to what I could have done with four more inches. But, I mean, that's not abnormal either. A lot of people were are decent basketball players and, you know, are, are legitimate, like, pickup players that if they had the size, you know, I mean, size is almost everything in basketball. It's almost everything in everything. I can tell everything. you this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's true, too. But I can tell you this. If I was seven foot five, I don't think I could have no, played no, for no. my Whittier college team. Yeah, but if you so. had a four extra inches, you would have been a lot. You would have had a better high school life. <laughs> Sorry. I know everybody here listening saw that joke coming about a mile away, but I had to. It was, it was teed up. Okay. Well, okay. listen. Thank you for that. Uh, we appreciate that. Look, last week we had, you know, uh, Goodbye Horses playing and calling Blair Buffalo Bill and A-Rod looking at himself in the mirror. Wait, this Blair's week, married now, by the way. We should update yeah, He is. Uh, we'll play the current affair sound effect again. Blair Gulo now officially married, and you can find a picture of him looking right at the camera as though he knew it was standing there about to take a shot of him uh, at his Twitter, at B and Gulo, wearing a good suit. He's there with the blue. new True Blue. Brew, brew and Blue, right? Yeah. Sure. Maybe, maybe. Anyway. Well, um, yeah, he's a Bruin, so yeah. So that's why we say that, folks. Yeah. And uh, looking right at the camera, like an A-Rod type, but there with the new Mrs. Angulo. So congratulations, Blair. Uh, we wish you uh, many, many months of uh, happiness. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as long as it takes, right? But um, let me just say that with him looking in the in the camera like that, you should really go on his Twitter and check it out. Makes me just, I just know, I just know he paid a photographer specifically to stand right there and said I'm going to look at you and you're going to take this picture so I can tweet it I know that happened I guarantee you it happened he's very he's very Zoolander is how I would describe Blair (laughs) poor Blair just taking the first Buffalo Bill now Zoolander I like it all though I'm looking at the photo is that is that blue skill (laughs) either that or Magnum well no that was well both of those things happened later on that night I think but uh, blue skill and Magnum well maybe not Magnum blue skill for sure um, okay, folks, it is the TrojanSports.com podcast for your Wednesday. We're coming back right after a short break. We've got Chris Swanson and recruiting. If signing day were today, dot, 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 we'll get into that. Plus, cool your questions from the message board direct from TrojanSports.com. It is the Trojan Sports podcast. We're back in moments right here. You're listening to this week's edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and never miss a moment of your favorite fellas yapping about your Trojans each week. Plus, some fun and frivolity along the way. Okay, I, I don't think you realize, uh, last week in the podcast, you pronounced Rojo as Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Stay locked in. More of the Trojansports.com podcast next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by Rivals. 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 Rivals.
Hi, this is Chris Morales from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we could all use that. With a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus, it helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. The shortest breaks known to man. The boys are back. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. And remember, everything you need for the best in-depth coverage of the Trojan, from recruiting to the message boards you love. It all lives on Trojansports.com from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. Back on the Trojansports.com podcast here Wednesday, January 20th. Your favorite fellows, Chris P. Swanson, Adam J. Maya, myself, Chris Morales, and we play Glenn Fry. You belong to the city. Remembering Glenn Fry, who passed away this week at 67 years old. This is my favorite Glenn Fry song because it's kind of nitty-gritty, you know? It's, it's, it was used in Miami Vice. The Bundys, actually, on Married with Children, they did a parody of this song playing with the Al Bundy walking the streets. But it just it gives you that gritty feel, like something's going on, right? And speaking yeah. of belonging to the city, and speaking of grittiness and going on, mm. here's how I'm tying it together, Adam. Okay. Oh, I, we can do a Bowie tribute. You're right. We missed that. But, you know, we'll, we'll do <laughs> okay. that. Ne- if nobody right. dies, we'll do that next week. Anyway. Wow. Here's why. I would have never done a Glenn Fry tribute if it wasn't for me connecting this and thinking of Bryce Dixon. Oh. And him belonging to the city, doing something nitty-gritty, or potentially, allegedly, doing something nitty-gritty. You want to tell us about the story? Uh, Yeah, we have to. The reports that he was arrested for carjacking on Tuesday. And so, it's another troubling incident involving Bryce. What, What a talent that appears to be wasted. He, he won't play at USC again. And now I don't know where he'll play and when he'll play football. Yeah, I, I don't know how many years are behind that kind of charge if he did do it, too. Um, I mean, is he going to be out of prison anytime soon, even? That's a that's a big deal, carjacking. I, kind of something that, you know, you question why did this happen? Why would somebody that had so much talent that could have gone to school somewhere and probably made the NFL just based on what he can do on the field? You know, why are they stealing cars and, you know, uh, getting into, you know, incidents on campus that lead to their dismissal. It's, it's just, it's, 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 
it's mind blowing. It's sad. I, you know, talked to Bryce many times. I've always thought he was very nice. He's been great to me, but it's been a constant pattern with him. I mean, Adam, I know we've heard things about, you know, what's happened since he's been dismissed, getting into trouble. And I know that, uh, you know, before he even ended up at USC, he was on an Arizona state visit and he was asked to leave and Arizona state stopped recruiting him. And that's, you know, the sun devils, the team that you'd think would reach for a, a talent like that. You know what I mean? He might be, if he was on their team, he might be the most talented Arizona state player ever. And they said, no, nah, well, we don't want to recruit Doug, man. Okay. I mean, but like they, my point being, they don't get, those kinds of talents he would be up there he'd be one of the most talented definitely i mean you could point to maybe one or two or three arizona state players in history that like really are as good as him um and they but my point being they they told him to go home they didn't want to recruit him and that that was a red flag usc took him anyway usc needed tight ends and uh it's just been sad to see him get in his own way and and really prevent himself from you know, having an amazing career. I, th- watching him play his freshman year, I thought there's no way this guy won't be in the NFL in four years. He's he's He was their best tight end when he was a freshman. Uh, beating out guys that were four- and five-star recruits it is really incredible to watch, and it's a sad story. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, I believe he's 19 years old or maybe 20. I just hope he gets his life right. I, I've talked to him many times. And, I mean, he, he's a nice kid, and, but there, there's a lot there, you know? There's a lot going on. Um, I believe he's had a bit of a rough upbringing, and I just hope for, you know, the best for him. You know I mean? It's not even about football anymore with him. Very unfortunate being hold, held right now at $100,000 bail. Um, I didn't even really know people carjack still. Is that still a thing? Like, it seems like you don't hear about that that often. And just a really unfortunate thing for him to choose to do. Allegedly. Well, it makes you it makes you wonder what else is going on because it's hard to imagine that, you know... He's still, is he stealing for a joyride? You know, is he is he sell is he trying to sell it? Is he high on something and that's why he's stealing cars? I mean, it's just it's a it's it's very interesting. I don't under usually my I would think somebody would steal cars, you know, for profit, and but that would be like a serious criminal like that has you know connections to the black market or whatever. So it's right. just, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird. I wouldn't expect a nineteen year old kid. It's been at USC or whatever to to steal a car. Just yeah, it sounds so more it seems, like a, a transient, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's a very interesting situation. May, I mean, I, I I don't want to speculate. I shouldn't speculate, but I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind was like, was he high on something right. and stole a car? So I hope that's not the case either. I hope it's all a mistake, and we can say, oh, TMZ got this wrong, and. You know he's fine and he and he's working to get his himself back to school, but we'll see. Well, there you go. Very unfortunate news, and uh, we wish him the best. Hopefully, to to figure it all out and and figure out his life. Meanwhile, we move on to the future of USC and the recruiting aspects going on. A lot's going on as we head closer, just a few weeks away from National Signing Day. Chris Peace wants to take it away with our recruiting segment. 
Yeah, okay. This past weekend, you know, it was the first uh, big weekend for official visitors coming out of the dead period. Uh, USC had a lot of, you know, top quality talent on campus. A lot of guys that are priority prospects. Um, all the updates are on trojansports.com. Subscribe, you know, read the message board, all these stories that we have. But uh, I think that really uh, the, the big news coming out of the weekend was that, you know, USC had the number one prospect for Sean Gary on campus. Uh, they're going to be in it till the end with him, obviously, because he wanted to visit the Trojans uh, despite everything that happened on the field. He's obviously been impressed with that program for a while, so look out for him. Everybody's thinking he's leaning towards Michigan, but we'll see. It seems like USC has a fighting chance, and uh, they'll obviously have visits with him before signing day and try to, you know, get him uh, in Cardinal and Gold. Uh, I also talked to his recruiting coordinator who said that he at uh, Paramus Catholic in New Jersey said he was wowed by the visit. So we'll see what happens there. USC also had Connor Murphy on campus, a profi prep defensive end from Phoenix, Arizona. Big time prospect that I think would be a huge pickup for them. And he was impressed by what he saw. He's been impressed with USC for a while. They're among his top schools. I think USC has a really good chance to get him. But we'll see what happens. Uh, the biggest news might have been the visit from uh, Kaiser White, the junior college safety for, from uh, back east in Pennsylvania, because uh, White sounds to me after we interviewed him on churchandsports.com that he's going to commit to USC. He's going to have his family come out for a visit uh, to check it out. He had an in-home with USC again, and he talked about how the Trojans just seem like they're in a different bracket than some of his other scholarship offers. He's currently committed to West Virginia. I think the Trojans are going to get him, and that would be a big pickup for them. Uh, some junior college help in the defensive backfield. Also, Trevon Sidney and Frank Marin both said that they're uh, decided not to visit other schools after this USC visit. That had originally been the plan for both. Martin was going to visit Arizona State. Trevon Sydney was trying to fit in three trips. Both of them now say that they are done with visits. So USC looks like they will hold on to those two commits, both four-star prospects, high-quality guys. So really a big weekend. USC has another big recruiting weekend coming up this next week. We'll have a, the list of expected visitors on the message board, on the website, trojansports.com. Come check it out. It's going to be another big weekend. Some Florida guys are visiting, some big-time Florida guys, and we'll kind of get an idea of where they stand with USC after they take that trip. So log on to the site, sign up if you're not signed up, and uh, get ready for a, a lot of uh, a lot of you know big time action coming up a lot of surprises and you know usc is going to finish with one of the top classes in the country again uh, they always do and it will happen chris everybody you mentioned i think most people are pretty familiar with they might not be familiar with kaiser white why don't you talk about him for a minute yeah, okay, I think that's fair because uh, he did get a pick up an offer very late, uh, right around New Year's Day, actually, from USC. Um, he's a junior college guy all the way across the country in Pennsylvania, but a big safety, 6'2", 210, a four-star guy that's picked up a lot of big-time scholarship offers, committed to West Virginia, but he's obviously looking at his options and you know looking around. Uh, he does have some connections to L.A. He actually has an uncle out in L.A., so there is a family thing there. And uh, he's being recruited by, uh, you know, Kenoto Hudson, who's been kind of the superstar running around, you know, offering kids, recruiting kids. I mean, yesterday there were seven new offers out in Florida. So he's uh, he's working on Kazir White, too. 
And uh, I think he's a high-quality prospect, and I think he's a guy that USC needs. I mean, they need some more experience in the defensive backfield, I think. They have plenty of talent, but he's a talented guy, a four-star, and they need talent and experience. I think he'd be a great addition for them. It makes you think that they probably know they're not getting Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, um, I think that, I mean, it would not surprise me if Lamar Jackson went to USC. I can't say I'd be surprised by that, but to me it seems like he's trending away from the Trojans now. It seems like Nebraska is really uh, the team to beat for him. Uh, he's, so I think that they're not going to get Lamar Jackson. I think he was really connected with a lot of the coaches at USC. He seems to be one of those kids that likes to you know, look heavily at, at coaching. And um, when Clay Helton stuck around, he was excited by that. But you know, I think after Keith Hayward and you know, Peter Sermon and, and Justin Wilcox all went, uh, all went away, he, uh, he started looking at coaches that he had a better relationship with with and that's why I think he's going to end up away from USC but it wouldn't surprise me if he did end up at USC I just don't expect it anymore okay I don't know what that means but okay <laughs> okay I don't think he's coming but it wouldn't surprise me is that more yeah, that yeah. Make more sense okay yeah, no, I love the double talk okay there you go sorry that's how it is there's nothing wrong with a little swanee double talk okay time to play a little game if today were na- we should have some new game music for this. If yeah. today were National Signing Day, dot dot dot, and of course National Signing Day is Wednesday, February third, just a few weeks away. All the coverage will be at TrojanSports.com and Rivals.com for what's going on. But let's get Crispy Swanson's predictions on the final six spots, seven if you count Vilas Jones out, and what would happen if today was National Signing Day. Swanson, okay. get your magic eight ball out and tell us the future. Uh, I will. I, I, you know, I'm surrounded by magic eight balls. I love. I had one as a kid too. But okay, I'll give you my list here. Um, I think that Long Beach Poly athlete Jackie Jones will end up at USC. Uh, I know that he said some things over his recruitment that made people think, "Hey, maybe this isn't happening." It made us think that too. Uh, but I think that he's going to stick at home. I know he has strong family ties and. Uh, he, he's connected to Long Beach Poly and his uncle was a player there and I just kind of see him ending up locally I see him picking USC I also think USC is going to go uh, dive into Junipero Serra again get another elite prospect out there and Brandon Burton after re-offering him I think that you know Burton wants to end up at USC and has always wanted to end up at USC and I just think that's going to work out so I expect them to add Brandon Burton I also think USC is going to get Connor Murphy. I just think that it's uh, it's the local choice for him, really. I know that you know he's considering some schools closer, but the local powerhouse and there's a spot for him there. It all makes sense. Um, some changes on the coaching staff, you know, might make me hesitate a little bit with him. And I know he's interested in some other schools, so it wouldn't shock me if he didn't end up at USC. But if I had to pick, I think he will end up at USC. I also think the Trojans are going to flip uh, Utah commits to me. Laaki from uh, Lawndale uh, losing her high school. I think that uh, he's going to stay close to home and close to family and end up Trojan. Uh, I think USC will get junior college safety Kaiser White from Pennsylvania, as I mentioned earlier. After his visit, talking to him, what he said about the visit, his family checking it out again, and, and you know, going out there for a trip on their own dime to see it. It makes me think he's going to end up at USC. I think. They're going to get Max Tapai, uh, the pass rusher from Murray, Utah. 
big time, uh, you know, outside linebacker, defensive end type. Uh, I think they'll get him, and that'll be a big pickup for them. And you know, in, in the pass rushing department, uh, and then from there it gets a little fuzzy because talking about that that final spot, if Velas Jones is out, maybe Velas Jones stays. I don't expect that. I could also see the USC grabbing you know somebody from out of state, a late addition, a surprise. Right now, if I had to pick the surprise, I'd say it's EJ Price, the offensive lineman. Uh, from down there, Archer High School in Georgia, because uh, you know he uh, he has USC in his top three, and he's already taken an official visit, so it's clear that he's interested. But it wouldn't surprise me if that final spot went to one of these Florida kids that USC's working so hard on. Uh, USC's been really active in Florida, as we said, you know, yesterday seven scholarships going out to younger guys. They visited with Carlos Becker yesterday as well, so it wouldn't surprise me if a Florida kid got the final spot. But right now, I'm going to say EJ Price. All right. Well, let me let me clarify for everyone. So USC would have been able to bring in twenty five people, but they blue shirted five players last year, so they have twenty spots left. And then they have fourteen commitments, half of which are early enrollees. So they have seven other commitments, and then they have six open spots and that's what we're doing here we're projecting who the final six will be but this is as of January 20th and so we're actually going to do this again for next week's podcast and then again on our final podcast before sunny day so Chris I, I wrote it down here you got Jack Jones Brandon Burton Connor Murphy Sumisi Lauki Kaiser White, Max Tupai, and then your Powerball guy, EJ Price. Yeah, I'm doing EJ Price until after these Florida kids get out on a visit, then I might change my mind. All but right. right now, it's EJ Price. And there, there's a big pool here. You know, Chris was really hesitant to even do this. Uh, it was really uh, actually frustrating to talk him into it. But I know that there's a, you know, about at least a dozen other guys that could realistically end up at USC as well. Why don't you just run down some of the people that you considered for this? Okay, I mean, there's just, there's so many late offers coming in. I mean, we were thinking about guys like Lakey Fotu, uh, the Utah commit, who's actually out there in Utah defensive end. There's the two uh, um, De La Salle teammates, uh, Devin Asiasi and Boss Tagaloa, although I think both aren't going to end up at USC. They're definitely, you know, they could definitely be in it for both those guys, and they might end up there. Uh, you know, I think uh, we we talked about, you know, Velas Jones, obviously, I think could definitely end up there. Lamar Jackson, who we mentioned earlier on the show. Uh, you know, all these Florida kids that, you know, if they visit, I think that they're a possibility. USC always seems to manage to sneak into the Sunshine State to to take a couple guys. So, there, you know, there's plenty of dudes that it could end up being. And for all we know, they could offer somebody late and get back into it with uh, another prospect and, you know, local guy or something like that that changes our list entirely. But there's, there's plenty of guys to watch, and it's why you should be on Trojansports.com reading all of our updates every day. Because, uh, you know, we talk to these guys every day and there's always something going on. <coughs> Rashawn Gary. <coughs> oh, yeah. Rashawn Gary. I almost forgot. Uh, yeah, we mentioned him earlier 
So he was on a visit. Obviously, he's another guy, another out-of-state guy that you know we don't expect USC to get, but they're definitely in it. He visited, and you know he's always been interested in them. So it could also happen. Very good. So there you go. If today were National Signing Day, dot dot dot, we switch music to questions from the message board direct at Trojansports well, we go questions from the message board a few days ago when uh, we posted this, but thank you, everybody, for all the questions. And we actually start with a different question that's not on the board, a direct question to the email of Crispy Swanson from oh. our friend Ku Klux Clown. I there don't even are, have that email. No, I know. It was the private email. It's the private line, the bat phone. There are still rumors about Coach O maybe coming back to coach the defensive line and be recruiting coordinator. If that happens, we would be rehiring six coaches from the Lane Kiffin 2013 coaching staff. Minus Kiffin and James Craig. Was that staff really that underrated and would pay dividends for bringing that, that many of them back due to, due to their familiarity with a good number of the players? Or as these hires just a function of Helton having an incredibly limited number of connections in the coaching world? Let me know if that's too long and I can shorten it. <laughs> no, it wasn't okay, too long, Ryan. and it was Thank good. No, I just kept reading, uh, reading and reading, too. Uh, it wasn't too long. <laughs> what now? Nothing. I don't know. Anyway, okay. go ahead. Oh, my gosh. All right. Take I, it, Adam. I do think that it was underrated I because I, I don't think that Kiffin was at a point where he was a good head coach. Maybe he will be eventually. But I don't think at that time he was. But I think I was a great staff. I do think that it is a function of Helkin maybe being a bit limited in who he could bring in. Um, I don't think it really has anything to do with the familiarity of the players. I mean, this is a significantly different roster than it was in 2013. There are very few people who even, who on this team played in 2013. Oh, I don't even know. I mean, right? Like, who? Who actually played? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Not off the top of my head. I don't know. So, Yeah. So, I, I don't think it has to do with that. Um, I actually just got word. Justin Davis. Yeah. Justin okay, there Davis. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sure there's um, he others. played you know, half the year. I mean, there's going to be a couple people like that, but um, I mean, granted, these guys were being recruited by that staff, a lot of them, but they didn't play for him. But we got word uh, a minute ago here, actually, um, that we talked with a a member of the USC staff, and he said that he thinks that Ugezi is getting a job. Again, not official. I'm not calling it breaking news. Hit the breaking news out of Maya sound effect. Oh, no. But we do expect that to to be made official this week. So by the time we publish this podcast, it might have already happened. There you go. I want you to answer that question, though, Chris. What do you think? Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, you know... Okay, you know how I feel about the that 2013 coaching staff. I loved that 2013 coaching staff. I thought they were great. And Tommy Robinson, NFL running backs coach. I mean, look at how those backs performed his year there. They were uh, stellar, honestly. Um, you know, Clancy 
Pendergast, a guy that Cal is one of the top defenses in the Pac-12. What is Cal among the top defenses in the Pac-12? Never. Well, they were under Clancy Pendergast. You know, he had that USC defense at the top of the Pac-12, and they had a 12-man rotation. I think a lot of people uh, don't give him enough credit for what he did at USC in just one year. Uh, so I, 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 I mean, I like all those coaches. John Baxter, I thought his special teams were great at Fresno State. Uh, I think they improved at Michigan. I thought they improved at USC. So I expect him to do a great job with special teams with tight ends. And I don't know. I, I think it's a pretty much a good staff all around. I think the only one, you know, the only ones really worth questioning are the the promotions from within. You know, is Clay Helton really a, a the guy head coach? Is T. Martin the guy offensive coordinator? Is Johnny Nansen going to be a good linebackers coach? Those are all question marks. But the guys they brought back, I like all those guys. I'm looking at the roster because I wanted to. I like to be factual here. I don't know. It's this weird standard that I have. Yes. And um, okay. <laughs> Darius Rogers played on that 2013 team. Leon McQuay and Jabari Ruffin, Quentin Powell, Michael Hutching. So you have about a half dozen people um, you know, that, that played significant time during that time. Well, the other thing with, with top-level football is that none of those guys are going to be like the guys that really are the stars because the stars usually leave, you know, too soon to really like to be around still. You know, those are like quality reserve types that they've coached, but they didn't coach, you know, Juju Smith or Dory Jackson, you know, or any of these guys that I guess a, a big one would be Max Brown is still there. I know he didn't play, but, and I guess he was being coached by Clay Helton, but I, that might be a little bit significant to just have some familiarity with like T. Martin, and, you know, yeah. Clay Helton. And I don't know, maybe the transition to Tyson Helton isn't as tough because of, you know, he already has an insight because of his brother or whatever. So I don't know. That might be a big deal, but I like the 2013 staff. I like the staff that they've put together now, but we'll see what happens. There you go. All right, more questions now from the message board. Trojan Gift Horse, have you had any interactions with the new coaches so far other than Pendergast? What has been your impression of them? What offense do you think we will run next year? Adamaya. I have not. They have not been made available yet. I, I know that we'll be in contact with these guys soon enough. So I wish I could answer this better right now. Um, in terms of the offense, right now, we're just guessing because I did pose this question to Key Martin. Some of you might remember uh, back when he was named the offensive coordinator and he said that he wanted to be physical up front. He wanted to be more explosive on the perimeter. Uh, he alluded to opening up the pass game more. I don't think that they're going to be much different than... I, you know, I shouldn't even say that. You know, I don't even... Because they haven't even had spring practice. Uh, I, know, I know Chris has a, a really cute way of putting it. I'm going to let him take over right here. What did you, what did you call it before? Oh, they're uh, receiver-friendly pro-style offense. That's that's what I would describe. I thought you had the word spread in there too. No. Okay. I think I might have accidentally added that. Okay. So I, I called their old offensive pro style spread hybrid. So okay. maybe that's oh, what well, you're that's thinking very good. Of. Yeah. 
Yeah, but um, <laughs> no, no, I, I that's but that's what I expect for them is a is a receiver friendly pro style offense because you know Clay Helton quarterback, T. Martin former quarterback, receivers coach i just you know i see them wanting to to be physical up front to run the ball i see that commitment there but i know that they're going to want to get passing stats and you know have their quarterbacks look good and uh you know have their receivers get big numbers and i so that's what i expect a uh, receiver friendly pro style offense well and you have to remember that they're bringing in tyson helkin neil callaway who are going to be directing you know, the line and the passing game. Um, Tommy Robinson can direct the run game. So, you know, some of these guys, I mean, they haven't worked together, of course, but then, you know, T. Martin has not been an offensive coordinator and, and Clay Helkin is a new head coach as well. So I think they're still going to be figuring that out. That was kind of part of the deal with making them the head coach and offensive coordinator respectively is that they didn't have a defined system that they're going to draw it up. And that's not a bad thing. It's just that they're improving, and it, it makes it an unknown. Yeah, we'll see, right? That's what we've well, been I mean, saying Well, we, we keep lot. saying we'll see. I, yeah, uh, I know it's going to you know, agitate people, but I, I'm not going to tell you what they're doing because we, we don't know what they're doing. Um, but I, I do expect them to be more aggressive you know, that, that's what Juju thought with, with T. Martin becoming offensive coordinator. And I know he's pretty dialed in there. So, I wish I knew. <laughs> there you I want to know, too. I want to know what love is, as somebody once said. Marty, oh, no, not Marty. Marty's up ahead. But D's Nuts 55, the man who asked us about pizza and burgers, now is back with Taco Time, fools. Make me proud, boys. What is the best taco in L.A.? I guess I'll start this one. I've got three. Tito's Taco, up the street here from Playa Vista in Culver City. It's a nice, nice taco. Not really truly like Mexican traditional, no. but it, but Tito's is very big here on the west side. And anytime you go there, there's a line. And if you go there at like, they close at 10. But if you go at 9 o'clock, you will wait in line till 1030 almost every night to get your tacos. I've done it many times. When I have a craving. Tito's Tacos is great. You wait an hour and a half? Sometimes, yes. Because when I want it, when something's in my head and I have a craving, I'm going to get it no matter what happens. (laughs) Okay. There is the Talpa restaurant up on Pico and Bundy. Uh, I guess you could call that West LA. Amazing shredded beef tacos. And they are a very traditional Mexican restaurant right next to Don Antonio's, which is another great Mexican restaurant. But Talpa's got amazing shredded beef tacos. The best I've ever had. And then finally, honorable mention, I think, has to go to King Taco. Uh, of course, in East L.A., there's one in Long Beach. They're all around. There's, I think, four or five of them in Southern California. And with that, a taco full. Chris Swanson, what do you got? Well, I'm going to start off with uh, Taco Bell. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of figured uh, you would go there. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I take great pride in in, uh, in my tacos and, and pretending like I'm not the whitest person alive. Uh, you know, I, I like authentic Mexican food. When we were in San Antonio, I actually ate at a, a Mexican restaurant twice that was in Windcrest in this little like hole in the ground, but it was great. And the menu is in Spanish. It was much better than uh, the Iron Cactus on the boardwalk where, or on the Riverwalk, I'm sorry, where uh, we all had a rival's dinner. But if I'm talking about my local Mexican food in Long Beach, and I'm actually, I have some great options. I have three places that I can yeah, walk to. Yeah, why don't you get to them? Think. 
Okay, I'm going to. Jeez, Adam. Gosh. Uh, this is my favorite question. I'm going to take some time. Okay. I have to give a shout out to <laughs> Linda's Mexican Delights. It's just a great general Mexican foot place. I, I, you know, a lot of great items on the menus. I love the empanadas there. Oh, wait, one more time. Linda's Mexican Delights. Yes, yes. That's on <laughs> you got, a, you got a taco restaurant. Or? or is that somewhere where you go for like a taco and then maybe full service other things? Uh, no, yeah. just okay. Mexican food. Well, knowing you, just, you never this know. This is my overall... Okay, I go know, ahead. This Continue. Is, this is my overall Mexican food award. We go to Swanson's Taco Mexican List, site. already in progress. Yes. The empanadas, are, they're great. So, yeah, that's a great one. They're on a Redondo and 10th, by the way, if you're in Long Beach. Uh, then, if I want fish tacos or shrimp tacos, I go to Holy Moly on uh, 4th Street in Long Beach. Uh, they're, they're good for fish or shrimp tacos. But if I want the real, authentic, the you know, the high-quality meat, you know, the cabeza, the, you know, the carne asada, whatever, I go to Taqueria La Mexicana on 4th and Coronado in Long Beach. Amazing street tacos. They're only like a buck or two. Delicious. I get them all the time. Very authentic. I love, gotta give the love to Taqueria La Mexicana on a fourth and Coronado and Long Beach. That's my pick for best tacos, I'd have to say. But those other two places need to be mentioned as well. All right. There you go. I haven't been there. I, I'm down with keto if I'm on X out of town. And, you know, it, it, it's good for what it is. I like King Taco, although I typically end up getting a scope there or maybe a burrito. But my spot, my around the way spot is in Pasadena right off the 210 freeway north of it um, on Fair Oaks. It's called La Estrella. And they have, bar none, the best carne asada. And to me, that's what you're paying for. And so uh, there's, there's nowhere better than that that I know of. It's a, uh, you know, a hole in the wall. And, and that's a good thing when you're talking tacos. And I've been going there since I was like 15. So... If you're ever in Pasadena, that's where you go. You're welcome. There you go. Very good. But who's in Pasadena, right? So me. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm just messing with. D's yeah, nuts. Fifty five. Thank you very much. Different sides of town. We wonder. By the way, Chris Swanson might be uh, having some technical uh, artifacting over there in the LBC right now. Um, but it's okay. We can still hear you. Uh, D's nuts. Fifty five. Thank you for the taco time question. I wonder what next week will be. In fact, our message board predicts that coming up. Um, by the way, about 100 listeners of our, uh, our listens last week actually came down from South O.C., Laguna Niguel area. So for all our folks down there in Laguna Niguel, we apologize. We just don't know any good taco spots all the way to South O.C. Maybe you guys got some down there. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Who knows? But we, uh, we apologize that our, our locations pretty much center on Culver City, Long Beach, and South Pasadena. That's really what you're going to get from us when it comes to a list. I dabble in the South Bay a little bit, too. Oh, you dabble, my friend, and you dab. Uh, by the way, Chris, you mentioned the, uh, the the burger from George Petrelli's up the street here in, of course, Culver City. I got yes. a headline for you. I ordered that last night at a post-game dinner with our Yahoo Sports okay. radio team, and you were right. Fabulous. So good, I ordered one to go to take to my stepdaughter for dinner, and it was she thought it was amazing. You were right. George wow. Petrelli's. It's I, a good burger. Am I going to get a little bit of love? I, I mentioned Shake Shack, and then look what happened. Yeah, now there's one coming, uh, you know, there's a... Downtown. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. 
the yeah. great the greatness of Shake Shack. By the way, so we actually have had about a hundred listens as well from uh, New York City to this podcast. Some USC fans in New York. We thank you, of course, always for listening. And so you, uh, you maybe you, you know. You might have yeah. to come to L.A. to visit USC. Get to take in a USC game, and you can go to Shake Shack. There you go. Well, we, I, I gave love to New York on the pizza question, too, with Grimaldi. Big up to Brooklyn. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. Out of the well I'm trying to connect man. all the Adam uh, food spots while still also thinking of the food story about you guys and Michael Lev and Berkeley. So it's all just flying around in my head right now. Yeah, wait, what about Bongo Burger, Chris? Did <laughs> 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 that make your top five? I, I like how Bongo Burger is me somehow. I didn't pick Bongo Burger, Adam. You picked Bongo Burger. I don't understand why it's my fault. All right, moving on. You picked it. You picked Bongo Burger. There moving you go. On. Marty yes. S.C. Psych. Adam, Chris, since mention was made regarding Clay, hire, Clay hiring a defensive line coach by Wednesday, which just happens to be today, any guesses from you guys who might be the man of the hour? Also, what is the status of Lamar Jackson Jackson, since it looks like SC is going hard after the JC safety. And, of course, he's referring to Kaiser White. And it appears like USC is found out that they probably won't get Jackson. And so that, that's more than likely why they're going harder after another safety. And with the man of the hour, we know it's Kenichi Ugezi. Obviously, when this question was written... That wasn't apparent, but things can change. I mean, that this hire is not official. I, I'm not even saying it, it, it's happening, but, um, you know, Kenichi is going to New York, apparently, I mean, to New Jersey, rather, to visit with Rashawn Gary, and we're hearing that, you know, that people on staff think that he's getting the job. Mr. Swanson. Yeah. yeah. I think it's Kenichi or Desi. And I don't think USC is getting Lamar Jackson, as I said earlier on the show. Well, but it could happen. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise I mean, like, because it wouldn't surprise me. You know, he said they're in his top four, so would I really be surprised? But I don't I don't think it's happening. I think he's gonna go to Nebraska. There was a time, a good time, where you thought Jackson was coming to USC. Yes. Right? Bef- cool. Before they fired, you know, yeah. had the entire defensive staff. So right. Yeah. Oh, there has been a, a change there with him. There you go. All right, we move on. Trojan Gift Horse on the message board responding to D's Nuts 55, and we give you the play-by-play from the message board because it's important. He says, what's next? The best banana split. I hope he's joking because I don't know any good banana split places. I'm not a big banana split guy. I don't mind a good banana, but I don't like a banana split. Okay. I just know one of those really big long ones, you know, the fresh ones. You got to get the fresh one. They have them here at Yahoo. The big ones, the fresh ones. Sorry. I got I got you, Chris. Did you get big it? fresh bananas. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I like Foster's okay. Freeze for ice cream though. Wait, who, we're answering this? Yeah, aren't we? I thought I was asked about a Sunday. Foster's Freeze for ice cream, baby. Get I don't the think Trojan get, Okay, I don't think Trojan Gift Horse liked the question and he was being sarcastic. But now we're probably just going to frustrate him by answering it just go to foster's freeze charging gift horse yeah. and you'll feel yeah. better about everything so you like a good sunday you want the the you, like, you like it all in there or do you I'm like certain things school. well now we're going to get into this school. for a moment if you were making a sunday at home like tony soprano okay what would you do see i'm gonna go whipped cream and some sprinkles i don't really like the chocolate sauce i don't like the chopped nuts i mean i could do both of those if i have to but all i'm right. going whipped cream 
and like ready, like you know, good whipped cream, not Cool Whip. But uh, I know cream, you're excited about bananas, but I actually have an appointment in half an hour. It, does it involve your banana? <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta go. Okay, we'll leave that for next week. Sunday coming next week. Porn me nine. Adam and Chris love the podcast and all the updates. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Porn Me Nine. What exactly goes on at the official visits? Fight on David. Well, if you want to know part of it, you can just rewind the tape a little bit, and it might involve Windows Mexican Delights in the LBC. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Yes. Well, well, if this was Louisville, it definitely would involve Windows Mexican Delights. But now I'll give you, I'll open the curtain a little bit and let you guys know what's uh, what's going on on campus. Obviously, the prospects always stay at a very fancy, glorious hotel, and they get the nice view of everything that's going on. There's a lot of eating going on. You know, they usually have a little get together with the staff and everything and have a nice meal or two. Uh, But mostly it's, you know, being on campus, getting the, the tour, getting the academic presentation, seeing the facilities, seeing the Coliseum, you know, taking pictures with jerseys and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, and I, th- I think that the, that's really the feedback that you hear from most of these kids, which is why you hear a lot of kids that have been to SC a thousand times say like, oh, I've been there so many times. It didn't really matter. And then, you know, the kids that are just stepping on campus for the first time are always blown away. But uh, that's pretty much what happens on these things. Well, hold on. There are hostesses as well that you completely failed to mention. Well, there's yeah, they're oh, they're hosted by prospects. No, no, no. They're they're hosts like the the players in the team, and they're hostesses. Yeah, you're talking about the female hostesses. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes, uh, I've never seen an ugly hostess for one of these things, or for you know when they're when they're trotting him around the Coliseum for the game either. So I guess that's a nice little bonus is that USC, you know, has a lot of college girls on campus. So what exactly goes on? Well, are we talking about Louisville now? No. USC, but they're non-ugly hostesses. They show them things on campus. This is getting awkward. I don't (laughs) know. Cue the uh, banana split question yet again. No, but that's what his question was. I feel like that was part of the question that you're not acknowledging. I just had a five-minute talk about what happens on on official visits. All right, all right, all right. We might have to get Sean Salisbury on uh, to talk about his official visit to USC. He's told me the story many times off the record. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's just say you would would too want to be a USC quarterback. Will he he put it on the record? He He might dance around it. He might dance around it just a little okay. bit. He'll show it to you. The, no, never mind. Sorry. Um, so did he? Did he play at Louisville? No, no, he, no. He played I at USC. Know, I know. I know. It was a joke. <sighs> the jokes are just not are not working. D's nuts fifty five returns on the message boards to respond to Trojan gift course <sighs> about best banana split. Oh boy. And D's nuts says I got to get through the main courses first, or the first five food groups, or four, or whatever. It's tacos this week. I love that the five food groups thus far are pizza. Burgers and tacos. Yeah, it it kind of explains why his uh, his username is these nuts fifty five. I'd say. Well, it also sounds like your diet, my friend. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that is my life. Maybe he thought these were the only things that he would be able to speak on. Trojans freak. Who are the players who you feel will make the big leap forward next season, offense and defense? And from talking to recruits after the visit, what is your sense of this staff's personality? Chris, why don't you start on the personality? Okay, well, yeah, um, 
I think I kind of get that laid back Southern gentleman kind of vibe, which is what Clay Helton is all over the staff really. And I think that they have a lot of guys with, you know, Southern ties and laid back personalities. And that's really the feedback that I got uh, after Carrie Angeline's visit is, uh, you know, his, his high school coach. I talked to him. I've talked to, to his father and him before, and it's all about, you know, USC's really laid back with recruiting. Yeah. They'll tell you about the school. They'll, you know, they'll sell the school. They're not against selling it or, you know, pressing uh you know their opinion of how great the program is but they're laid back and comfortable and they let you check out usc and decide for yourself Uh, and that's the personality vibe i get from the staff is you know we're going to work hard we're going to recruit hard but we're going to you know we're going to be gentlemen about it and we're not going to you know put down another school or recruit too hard or sleep on your floor or anything like that and uh we're just going to let usc sell itself Mr. Maya, what do you well, think? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to tackle the first part. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, I feel like there are a number of players that there are candidates here, uh, but I don't want to give you an exhaustive list. I think it starts with the quarterback. If Max Brown wins the job, I expect him to have a big year. And he's also another huge factor, I think, in what kind of offense they run because him and Sam Darnold are very different. And so... With Brown, you're going to design a more pro-style offense. And so that kind of speaks to the question earlier about what kind of offense we think they're going to run. Well, I think we're going to find out after spring even because we don't know who the quarterback is. I think that he's going to utilize much more of his receiving corps. And so you can see someone break out alongside of Juju. Uh, My best guesses right now in January are an Isaac Whitney or a Deontay Burnett, but it could even be, you know, Stephen Mitchell who played a lot last year and felt like he was underutilized. And and he admitted to that, um, you know, he has some things to work on, but I just, I feel like you're going to get more of those receivers, um, Tyler Petit or uh, Daniel Amator Bebe, the tight ends. I think one of those two guys can have a big impact in the passing game. Um, Chris, I know that there are a lot of defensive players that you're excited about. Why don't you take uh, tackle that half? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of players uh, really in the front seven that you could look at, like, you know, Buddha Tucker or uh, Uchenna Nwusu, some of these linebackers. I also think that, you know, up front, the defensive line, there's an opportunity for a lot of these younger guys to really kind of take over a spot, a guy like Rasheem Green or Noah Jefferson. So I think there's a lot of uh, of people on defense especially in the front seven they could really step up and make a difference this year i know that watching some of these guys i certainly expected i think we both expect Rasheem green to eventually be a force on the defensive line watching uchenna and uusu play in practice uh, i expect him to be really good when he finally gets his chance so there's some uh, there's a lot of guys to watch i think whenever you have a team that you know when you get so much talent every recruiting class and you know guys are graduating there's always going to be somebody that jumps up and kind of surprises you but that's that's what I expect on defense. And Marvel Kell. I think Marvel Kell's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And he's already kind of gotten that experience. Uh, another guy that I, that kind of, you mentioned Marvel Kell and reminds me of him. And maybe he doesn't qualify because he's been a starter all year. But Iman Marshall, I'd expect him to take a jump. You know, maybe it's next year or maybe the year after into being like one of the best, you know, cornerbacks or defensive backs in the country, really. So we'll see. We'll see what he does. 
There we go. Well, we continue. Questions from the message board. Our old friend Trojan fan, 68, Nick from Cyprus, who we may suspect is truly out of Maya, but we don't know for sure. <laughs> we will have to, we'll have to get the FBI to check IP addresses. Hi, this is Nick from Cyprus. Hi, Nick. First, can we get some basketball love? Oh, okay. Well, I think uh, we've done that. What are high school basketball recruits thinking of this big win? Now football. Is it true John Nansen is the new D-line coach? Who fills the last two position coaches? Last, who's this weekend? weekend's hit list, I guess, of recruits coming to town? Fight on. Yes, fight on, <laughs> Nick from Cyprus. Where did hit list come from? I just threw that in. He said weekend list of recruits. I meant hit list. I just threw in yeah. hit list. I'm just okay. trying, to, I'm trying to punch up Nick from yeah, Cyprus. Yeah, my bad. Okay. Well, first I want to ask, Chris Swanson, are high school basketball recruits really paying attention to USC? Yeah, they're 15 and 2, man. Uh, three. You know, I, they're 15 and 3. 15 and 3. Sorry, a little edit there, but uh, you know they're they're going to catch people's attention uh, just because of the time of year. I haven't really caught up with high school basketball recruits, you know, recently, just because it is a crazy time for football recruiting. But once uh, February is all wrapped up and you know we get through signing day, I'll definitely catch up with them. But I'm sure they're interested. Uh, as for you know the uh, visits this weekend, we're going to have. You know, plenty of updates up. We'll have expected visitor list and uh, coming up in the next couple of days. So make sure that you know you're on the message board. You'll see it. Um, yeah, I, I think that pretty much covers the question. I don't really know what else was uh, on there. Yeah, I'll I'll answer a little bit of it. Um, this basketball team, uh, I kind of fell for it last week, and I hadn't watched a lot of it before that game at Poly, but. They're so athletic. I mean, they were much more athletic than UCLA. They're really unselfish. They look very comfortable in Enfield's system. And so I think that they're legit. You know, and as I mentioned earlier, just can they deal with pressure and expectations? One thing that we've seen throughout the time Enfield's been there is they've had a hard time closing out games. And in this UCLA game, I think they proved something because UCLA made a run that everyone expected it to make. And the league was cut down to nine, I believe. I'm not sure if it got lower than that, but I know it got down to nine after being up to 21. And then they USC held on. You know, they, they won by 14. And that's been a real problem for them. We saw it versus Washington where they blew a 22-point lead and several games last year even that they, they could have won and they kind of squandered in the final minutes. So um, I guess I'm buying this basketball team, although this week is still, I think, very important. You know, they, they haven't arrived yet. Um, I think we've, we pretty much have talked about all the other topics. There you go. Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Nick. Finally, Kyler Keener. Actually, that's not true. Two more. I apologize. Next, Kyler Keener. If rumors are true about Jack Jones, Kaiser White, and Samisi committing, and the class stays intact, and Vilas Jones decommits, USC has four rides left. I'd like to know what Adam and Chris think the final four rides go to. P.S. I appreciate all the info I receive from this site. And all the hard work this site does to get the information out. Thanks. No, thank you, Kyler. And for this question, you may want to just go back to our little game. What if today was National Signing Day? Right, guys? Anything to add on that? Well, Kyler actually was the inspiration behind that game. Oh, there you go. Kyler, making games happen. We love that. (laughs) USCLA22 
As context, Coach Helton has talked a lot about getting better in the trenches and being able to physically dominate our opponents. With this in mind, what are the, what are the perceptions, both inside and outside of the football program, of the job Ivan Lewis has done the past few seasons? For example, Helton, past players, your own maybe. I believe Adam and Chris he means. What are the reasons to believe our guys will be more physical in time for Alabama? Ah, Alabama. Okay. Helton obviously likes him because he kept him and he didn't have to. The players swear by him. They like how specialized um, he is with each player. It's a, a very unique, specified regimen uh, for not just by position group. Um, it's not just general. It, it's about your kind of your agility, your range, your your measurements your body fat, many things are taken into account. And so um, Lewis is a big believer in, in just, well, I, I guess your, your, your athleticism, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it. And he, he's trying to maximize um, what you're capable of doing rather than just, you know, put on this weight or lose this weight and build strength. So the players appreciate that. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion personally. I'm not big on physical fitness, despite uh, you know the the immaculate body I carry. Um, I don't know. Do you have an opinion on this, Chris? I I don't. I mean, like I I don't know how to really judge these things. Um, I think that when USC isn't winning, it's fair to question anything like this. So I get why there's questions about, hey, is it good? Is it you know? Is it working? I don't really know. Um, I would question it too, just because they're not winning. So you have to think, hey, you know, USC is getting the top athletes every year. What's happening where they're not showing that? Is it coaching? Is it you know their physical how physically prepared they are? So it's fair to question. I don't really know. Um, I'm kind of an old school football guy where I like big beefy teams where it seems like the goal is to gain weight and you know eat a bunch of burgers and pizza and lift weights. And I see USC more cautious of you know I guess uh, nutrition and uh, you know lean muscle. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's worth questioning until they start winning. When they start winning, I'll tell you that everything's going fine. So, what about the Second question, any thoughts on them being physical uh, in time for Alabama? I don't know. Um, I really, I I don't know because I also, I haven't seen them play a team like Alabama really that much. I guess you could say, I I mean, yes and no. I I, I don't know. I really don't know. I guess because sometimes they've played a big physical team like Stanford and beaten them or kept it close or whatever and then this year they got blown out a couple times so I really I just don't know. It's too early. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if they were physically ready for them because it's USC. They get a lot of talent. You know, they they should be. They should be able to compete with anyone on the field Um, but we'll see I think. Yeah, I mean they have enough size. I don't even feel like physicality was a a big issue in the second half of the year when Helton took over. I felt like they played a more physical brand, and when they did get beaten by Oregon and Stanford, I don't think it was because of physicality. I just think that those teams were better 
and they were better prepared, you know, and uh, I, you know, to me, it wasn't about, again, the the physical aspect of it, Um, even with with Constant, who uh, some people felt like was more physical than Stanford, I don't think they lost that game because they weren't physical enough. It's no, probably they, they definitely didn't. Yeah, it, it's probably to their advantage that they have all this time to prepare for Alabama because I mean Alabama is Alabama and they're they're going to be great no matter what. But I think it would be harder for USC to play Alabama in week three or week four, coming off of a game the, the previous week. You know, I yes. think it's you know what I mean. Like Alabama is what they are, and they're going to be a top five team. Um, so for USC to get eight months to to get ready for that game is good for them. And I, I'm not saying that physicality won't be a, a defining factor in that game, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't be a concern right now in January. I just feel like we're so far out, and we there's a lot to be learned about this staff. You know, just because Helton was an interim coach for a couple months. It doesn't mean that we know exactly how he's going to run the program now that he has an offseason to work with. I think that things are going to look quite a bit different than they did upon him kicking over in mid-October, where you know he was given a job initially the week that they played Notre Dame, and then permanently the week that they were playing Stanford. There you go. Thank you to everyone for your questions directed at Trojansports.com. We appreciate them. Continue to ask them. We'll do this again next week, hopefully Monday or Tuesday for everybody. We apologize for being a day late. We want to get all information together. We want to take a little MLK break and observe. Why not, right? Uh, Adam, I yeah, felt like you were about to say something. Sure. I, <laughs> I felt it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep quiet. Okay. I got to go. There you go. Yes, you got to go get the banana checked. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. You can search us for now. Find Trojan Sports Talk, although we are working on that. And, of course, uh, Audio Boom, Podcast Arena. You can find it in the message board, podcastarena.com slash Trojan Sports. Also on Audio Boom, you can search us out, Trojan Sports. And we are here every week for you, the Trojansports.com podcast. For Adam Aya, Chris Swanson, I'm Chris Morales. We will see you next week. Peace.